0: Dollar.
1: Millionaire. Dollar. Dollar.
0: So hello and welcome to the second episode in this new season of the Drill to Detail podcast and I'm your host Mark Whitman My guest on the show hit the headlines recently when his team won the Zillow prize and a million dollars and he's actually an next colleague of mine, um, and he's come on the show to tell you how he owes it all to his previous CTO at that company. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, Jordan Meyer.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So Jordan, just um, just uh, explain who you are, uh, what you're doing now uh, in terms of work, um, and uh, and kind of how we knew each other from the past.
1: Sure, yeah. So I'm Jordan Meyer. I'm a data scientist. I'm currently a data scientist at DataRobot. It's an automated machine learning company. Um I came by way of Ritman Mead, uh, where I was previously a consultant and then a head of R and D and then finally a CTO. Uh, so, uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting with you.
0: Excellent. Well, it's good to have you on the show, uh, Jordan. So, um, so actually we, you know, we worked for quite a while together, uh, a few years ago and, uh, you know, I was CTO at the time and you, uh, you were our kind of data scientist. Um, you did some interesting things there with us. You built quite a few interesting demos and, and, uh, some things at conferences, maybe kind of just tell people what sort of things you used to do back in your consulting career, maybe.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, I think probably one of the first ones I did at Ritma Mead was uh, uh, I was getting interested in um, social network analysis. Mm. So I, I was looking for ways to present at Oracle conferences, but not necessarily <laughs> use Oracle technologies, do uh, the things I was more interested in. and So I uh, just kind of wedged it in there by doing a social network analysis of Oracle ACEs. Uh, and Oracle ACE directors—it's like uh, you know you were an ACE director um, or still are, and it's a uh, you know a, a badge of honor essentially. Um, so I, I analyzed you know the Twitter network, uh, all the people who were following and uh, reverse following each other, um, and found that the different elements of centrality—so like the number of followers you have, the number of followers who happen to also be Aces, degrees of separation—so you know how far are you from other directors even like the page rank so like how google uh, originally figured out what was an important web page was how central the other pages that linked to it were very very similar uh, analyses and uh, essentially tried to make a predictive model of whether someone was going to be an ace or an ace director uh, and it had really high accuracy because of course uh, you know the, the more central you were in, to, in this oracle network the more likely you were to get that uh, that badge
0: Okay, okay. I was interested two things around that time. There was one thing was you'd never used my slide deck that I gave you, and you'd always, uh, you'd always managed to use your own one at the time, uh, which was funny. Um, the other one was that, um, that you uh, were always able to, I think, explain these concepts, so concepts around machine learning and um, AI you now and so on, in a kind of way that was uh, it never made you feel stupid. You know, you're always kind of very good at doing this in a way that was good for the layman and so on. And, um, and you've gone on now to work for DataRobot, is that right?
1: that's right yep
0: okay so um maybe at the end of the kind of the talk we kind of go through some of the things you're doing there and uh and just get an idea of i suppose how you how you do those sort of things now really kind of work-wise but the thing that that really struck me was um i was looking on twitter a while ago and i saw that you um you won what's called the zillow prize with your t- with the team so tell us a bit what what is the zillow prize um first of all and uh and what's it kind of about and and what's the kind of point of it really
1: sure so uh zillow's uh um, mostly in the us Uh, it's a website that that uh, allows you to look at pretty much any house in the in the country and uh, see if it's on sale you can see you know the mls listing the sale price uh, or the asking price that kind of thing and even if it's not on sale it will actually estimate the value of a home so when it first came out pretty much uh, everyone i knew uh, you know got on the website. And they uh, we were looking at the house they grew up in, their neighbors' houses, their own houses, uh, just to see like what's this estimate? Uh, and they called it the Zestimate, um, which is the an estimation of what your house would sell for if it sold today uh, for any house in the country. Um, so this this prize was, you know, it's been uh, five or six years, I guess, since they released that, maybe longer. Um, and uh, they they have, you know, were interested in seeing if the community, similar to how the Netflix prize looked to make recommendations better, they wanted to see if the data science community could contribute and make the Zestimate better. So when the Zestimate first started, I think it was off by, on average, maybe more than 10%, and it's gotten down to about 4.5%. And then through this competition, uh, our winning team got it down to just under 4% on average. Um, so they were you know, really looking to to minimize the error of all of these uh, home estimates they're making
0: okay so and it was organized through Kaggle is that correct um tell us what Kaggle is and and, and uh, the background to that
1: sure yeah so Kaggle's a machine learning competition website so companies will go on with similar kinds of challenges like this maybe they're looking to predict customer churn uh, and they'll put their data sets uh, make it available to the Kaggle community and uh, the Kagglers will compete trying to make a predictive model that will Best predict which customers are going to churn, and uh, they're ranked according to these metrics uh, that are very specific. And uh, often the distance between the first and the tenth place will be something like a uh, uh, or something like that. So it's it's a, a hyper competitive place where people try uh, to to beat each other at making the the best machine learning models.
0: Okay, okay, and I think um, I think since remember back in the past that you we used Kaggle then. I mean, is, is that part of how you learnt um, how to do the things you do now? Is that part of your kind of, I suppose, how you, you know, better yourself and, and learn new kind of techniques and so on?
1: A little bit, you know, so actually I joined eight years ago and the first time I com- competed was uh, was the Zillow Prize. Um, so round one, I actually was my first uh, Kaggle competition where I, where I submitted something, but I have watched it very closely. So I, I would, at the beginning of any interesting competition, have a look at the data, look at the people competing, read the uh, discussions and, and so forth. And then at the end, uh, often the winners will you know reveal the tricks that they use to win. So I paid a lot of attention to that uh, over the years and have tried to incorporate it in my work. But I actually wasn't super interested in competing because I felt like I, I lived in a bit of a middle ground. Like I see Kaggle as being great for people trying to learn and great for the best Kagglers, the best machine learning people in the world, because uh, one of them's going to learn something and the other one's going to make money, and anyone who's who's in between, you know, uh, probably isn't going to benefit that much from it. So I figured if I'm consulting and I'm making money on this, why would I try my hand at you know the chance at, at maybe making money at it?
0: Okay, okay. So we'll get into the, the competition in a bit, but tell us uh, a bit about your your background before you know before we met and, and how you got into. The world of kind of uh, you know of of this sort of thing, so stats and uh, machine learning and so on. What was your kind of route into this?
1: Sure. So uh, as an undergraduate, I was I was interested in um, uh, neural networks and uh, genetic algorithms and those kinds of things as a as a computer science major. And when I got out of school, I, I realized that uh, business intelligence and analytics seemed to be the, the the growth market. So I went to work at a couple of different universities. The first one was UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and it was a really great place to start my career because they actually allow you as a employee to take a couple of classes each semester for free, uh, and you you don't really have any restrictions. So I was able to take graduate courses in operations research, statistics, uh, information science, those kinds of things, and like uh, all the while, um, you know, making a paycheck and and uh, getting real world experience with uh, the actual analytics challenges of the university. So it was a good place for me to, to to learn data engineering and I guess data science uh, at the same time
0: okay okay and didn't you work for a startup at some point in between you were actually with my old company for a couple of, for a couple of times but you worked at a startup for a while didn't you as well
1: I did yeah so right after my first stint with Ri Mead where uh, I worked as a consultant uh, I spent a couple of years at um, slacker radio where I worked as yeah I worked as a data scientist there um, building uh, predictive models for the 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 user funnel so will this user convert from a free listener to a paid listener uh will if they are paid a paid listener will they will they stop those types of predictive models as well as things like you know music recommendations and um how, how we uh, categorize our music those types of, of problems okay.
0: Okay. I remember at the time as well that uh, when we knew, when I first met you, we there was a lot of talk about Hadoop, for example. And, and I think Hadoop and, and and this kind of world of machine learning and so on were very kind of synonymous. But I think I remember speaking to you at the time and and you know, although it's important, it was a lot of the work you did was on quite small data sets and and it's not all about doing it on massive ones. I mean, that was a that was a surprise to me and how much of the work was involved in just tidying the data as well.
1: Yeah. You know, I've always seen Hadoop as kind of an engineering problem and not necessarily a data, a data science one. You know, it's something that I, I hoped would be abstracted away. And I think we've gotten lucky and it has been. Uh, we don't have to write directly uh, MapReduce now. We can we can abstract that out. Things like Spark will take care of that for you. So uh, mm, you yeah, need, exactly. need to do that anymore.
0: And what's your current? I mean, apart from data robot, you know, what's your current toolkit of choice with these kind of uh, competitions and generally doing this kind of work? What would you? What would you tend to use these days?
1: So professionally, I've I've used R um, consistently. So pretty much anytime I'm I'm doing anything uh, work wise, I'll use R. And then in Kaggle, I actually tried to take the opportunity to to learn Python uh, by doing the Kaggle competitions in Python. Uh, so that if I was doing maybe uh, something with deep learning for a client. I probably would, would go into Python, but it's almost always R.
0: Okay, okay. All right, let's get into the competition then. So, so you know, there were 4,000, is it 4,000 other teams or competitors that were taking part? And I think your original, the original uh, entry from your team was from your two t- uh, colleagues or two team members, wasn't it? And you joined them afterwards. I mean, how did that work? And what were they doing first of all, really? What was their, I suppose, first attempt at this kind of uh, problem?
1: Yeah, so there were two rounds to to the Zillow Prize. The the first round, uh, I had a, a different teammate. Um, and uh, the two people that I ended up teaming w- up with in the second round, uh, they were teamed up in the first round. So we, we sort of started as two teams. Um, and yeah, in the first round, there were almost 4,000 teams. And I think they said from like 91 different countries, lots of people uh, uh, competing. The first round was specifically to predict uh, where the Zestimate is wrong. So not predicting, spe- not, specific, uh, not predicting the home price directly, but predicting the error that the Zestimate would have, which is a, an interesting formulation of the problem. And you, you weren't allowed to bring in external data. Um, and it was very much closer to what I would consider a standard Kaggle competition, where the difference, the differences in places were very, very, very small uh, th- there's only so much predictive power you can pull out of the smaller set of data. Um, and uh, the second round, though, you were allowed to bring in any data you wanted. Um, the There were production uh, requirements on on the, the models that you delivered, so they couldn't run past a certain amount of time on commodity hardware. Uh, they had to be fully reproducible in a Docker container and that kind of thing. And that's where knowing that that's what the second round would be is why I got interested in this particular Kaggle competition because I thought, um, you know, if I could just survive round one, get past the, the standard Kaggle, then I could use my, uh, you know, more professional experience with the uh, pulling in disparate data sources and trying to bring them all together to build a model. Uh, I thought that would give me a, a leg up in round two. Okay,
0: okay. So uh, just as, I mean, for the for the layman really or someone who who... Um, is new to this i mean what why is it tricky to try and predict house prices i mean why is it not just a case of, of looking at the other sales in that area and just kind of adding something to it or what why is why is it a hard problem to solve really
1: yeah it's a great question you know um th- there's a few a few answers i guess the, the first answer is there's always going to be inherent uncertainty in a house price uh so for example if if a house reminds a buyer of their childhood home let's say they might uh you know pay more for that house or be willing to pay more for that house, um, The that's that's one area where the, the, you'll just never be able to get the exact price because there's so many sort of human elements uh, involved. But you can get very close if that was the only problem. The other problem is that for, for Zillow, uh, they're trying to predict every house in the country, uh, not just the ones on sale. So there are plenty of houses in more rural areas where there's not a lot of data about them. You just know the lot size is roughly an acre, and uh, there's a house on there that was built 50 years ago, and it's that's you know there's a lot of uncertainty in that. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily compare to the houses around it if it's either falling apart or recently renovated. So uh, the, the, there ends up being a, a lot that you have to kind of impute to to understand what's going to make that house um, easier to predict.
0: Okay. Okay. So, um, so I understand that the you know, your speciality in this was was deep neural networks, um, and that's the kind of thing that you brought to this. And there was external data and so on. Maybe again for the layman, just explain what a what deep neural networks are, and um, or I suppose in a way, why also is it an area of interest to you?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, you know, deep neural networks are getting a lot of press lately for uh, advancements they're making, in a, a lot of Cool areas, but not necessarily getting press for uh, how they're helpful in business settings. So you'll he- you'll hear about deep neural networks being able to out uh, predict doctors at uh, spotting lung cancer, for example. Or uh, recently, I think a, a, a deep neural network beat uh, the professional players at StarCraft, and of course, it beat Go a couple years ago. Um, so we hear a lot about that kind of stuff, but what interests me about them is is how can we take all of this cutting edge, really interesting research by these, you know, superstars at Google and Facebook, um, and apply that to the types of problems that you know people like you and I solve, uh, you know, customer churn, uh, forecasting sales, that kind of thing, and it turns out that you can reformulate a lot of normal problems into problems that. Uh, these types of things can solve. So deep neural networks uh, currently hold the record at the best uh, translation. If you look at Google Translate now compared to, let's say, five years ago, it's just remarkably better. And that's because it's powered by these deep neural networks. But behind the scenes, uh, that sort of sequence processing as it, as it reads the sentence in order to spit out another sentence is, is, a, is a technique you can use on forecasting uh, grocery store sales, for example. So I did a a Kaggle competition called Corporation Favorita that was uh, predicting item level sales. And I used uh, techniques from Google that were for uh, actually uh, text to speech. So there's something called a WaveNet where it will uh, read the history, historical uh, speech, and then you can give it... uh, words and it will speak in that voice so if you wanted your you know your google home to sound like c3po or something you can feed it enough information and it learns the phonetics uh and that particular architecture actually worked incredibly well at predicting uh grocery store sales so in that competition with just that one model i got 10th place and the person who got fourth place used one and first place i think also used that same architecture it was um uh, one that uh, the person in fourth place kind of popularized, and we all thought, "Oh, that's a great idea. Let's try it."
0: Okay, so so try this, it, it, again. Explain in layman's terms what is a deep neural network. I mean, what what is it compared to say what are people's I suppose main experience with with machine learning, and how is this different, and and why is it um, I suppose particularly kind of useful and and, and valuable, and so on. But sure. the technicals, really, first of all, what what is it?
1: Yeah, well, well, it's. Uh, it's very much similar to a linear regression, um, where if you're familiar with machine learning, you know, it's it's uh, taking lots of predictors. If we're talking about, the, you know, home sales, it would be uh, each one of the uh, things you might know about a home would, would be a variable that, that this would take. Uh, and then it's going to assign to each variable, some weight, some some sort of importance, Um, and then add all that up and then predict sale price. So that would be like a single layer of a neural network is actually essentially just a regression. Um, But as you start to stack these, uh, they can uh, learn abstractions. So instead of just having one output that could be a price, you could have one layer that's your initial internal features, and then at the top, some uh, price that you want it to predict, and in between, lots and lots of layers. Uh, each layer just being a, a bunch of calculations um, where what generally happens with these is is they they learn more and more abstract representations as you move up I think a good example is uh, um, for image recognition if you if you look inside these neural networks the original layer will see the edges uh, so the the neurons that are that are in this neural network will, uh, activate when they see a particular edge, maybe an uh, upright edge or a, a vertical, um, maybe maybe a diagonal edge or something like that. And then uh, the next layer will actually activate when there's a few of those. So it'll start to see squares and and triangles and small uh, shapes. And as you move up the network, it gets more and more abstract until you know at the top of the network, uh, the a single neuron in this network may only light up when it sees a cat's face. Uh, because it's 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 um, taking as an input this giant tree of activations that are all getting excited when it sees a whisker, let's say.
0: Okay, so so is this something that's been possible to do for a, a while, or has it been like recent? I suppose advances in computing and so on that have meant this is
1: now possible. You know, I mean, I think the original neural networks are, are predate some of the things like the the like boosted trees. Like I think the perceptron was like maybe the fifties. But the yeah the neural networks have been around. I, I did uh, neural networks in college, so in 2001, I tried to make a neural network play Go, a very small Go board where you already knew the answer. So if there's like a a Go board where it's an obvious next move, I was trying to get a neural network to do that and then take a step back and look at a larger board and see if it could could translate that knowledge of perfect moves. So this was you know almost 20 years ago now. But back then, they just weren't as good. We didn't have GPUs. We didn't have some of these modern uh, enhancements that we've had to them. So probably just in the past eight years or so, they've, they've really started to take over again and be the, uh, the, the go-to for, for cutting-edge accuracy.
0: Okay. So what, what, so what kind of kit or what kind of services did you use then to do this particular thing? Did you uh, use some cloud services or something? What, what was your, how did you get access to this kind of compute power?
1: Uh, so i just have two uh nvidia titan x gpus they're uh yeah just really good gaming uh gpus that people are now uh, repurposing as uh, deep neural networks and bitcoin mining machines mm.
0: okay excellent and, and so so um so how did this how did this how did this deep neural network work uh sorry um uh, sort of stuff had that link with the rest of your team how did the, what you're doing link to their solution and, and complement that
1: yeah, so actually, uh, I, I typically approach this these types of problems with one neural network and one uh, gradient boosted trees model, which is um, just a way of doing a, a, like an ensemble of decision trees. Um, so uh, I was doing two models at the time, one neural network, one gradient boosted trees model, and uh, the two of them were actually doing the same. So one of them was focusing entirely on a neural network. And the other was focusing entirely on a boosted trees model. Um, and we didn't know that as we were uh, starting to talk about teaming up, we just both were were in the the uh, uh, top five of the leaderboard. So we were, uh, you know, considering teaming up together and we can't really share one because it, uh, if you don't end up teaming up, then you don't want to give away too much to a competitor. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's just against the rules to, uh, to, to go into too much detail if you're not on a team. So when we when we teamed up, we found out, oh, actually, we have, uh, we're have we taking very, very similar approaches. Like uh, I was putting a lot of work into my neural network, as was Chahu, and then I was putting a lot of work into my uh, gradient-boosted trees model, as was NEMA. And so uh, one of the things we had to do really early on was figure out how do we want to diverge these models so that we don't have just like essentially four models where two of where there's really only two because two of them agree too much. So we were looking for uh, ways to make them different.
0: So, so how, I mean, again, so how would you, how would you make a better model than somebody else? I mean, what, what would typically you be doing? What would you and somebody else be doing differently? That might mean that yours is more successful or more accurate or whatever. What, what are the kind of inputs into how you work and, and, and how you build these things?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think there's probably three dimensions uh, along which you can you can make big improvements to your models, right? So you've got like uh, feature engineering. So if you just come up with better representations of the original features, maybe it's not the square footage of the house that matters. Maybe it's the price of this per square foot. Let's say uh, maybe that's and so so just coming up with the clever ratios and things that make the models uh, better. Um, there's really uh, you, people spend a lot of time on hyperparameter tuning, so just the the small tweaks that you can do with these with these models. If you're talking about a, a tree model, maybe it's uh, the number of decisions the the each tree can actually make. Um, uh, th- those kinds of things. So that that's one where people spend a lot of time, and I think maybe too much time in general on Kaggle uh, versus things like feature engineering. And then the final area is uh, model blending. So making multiple models and then figuring out how to best uh, blend them together in an ensemble. And that can often mean like picking different modeling approaches so that uh, I think one of the kind of secrets of Kaggle, the open secrets, is that it's important to have very diverse approaches and then blend them together because you get this like mixture of of, uh, experts effect where one model can do really well at one type, one part of your data set. Another model can do really well at another part of your data set, and if you combine them well, you get this sort of super model where they're, where they're voting um, and uh, typically doing better than any one of those models would do.
0: So do you think, I, mean, this, it, I suppose just working in this area, is it more of an art or a science, do you think? I mean, it sounds to me there's a bit of kind of, a bit like blending wines, really. You know, you use a certain element there of, 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 of what's you? I mean, is it an art or a science, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think there's a surprising amount of art. I'd like to say it's uh, it, it's a pure science, but I I do think there's there's quite a bit of of uh, experimentation and and I guess mm. art art to it.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. So I think also you mentioned earlier on about the second round. Could you could use external data? I mean, is that something that you brought into the to, to this then? Really, I mean, did you use external data, and if so, what?
1: Yeah, I did, and I, I actually was uh, was a little disappointed that it didn't make a bigger difference. So some of the stuff that uh, I brought in that we kept um, were things like census data. So a lot of interesting stuff came from from the census. Um, so things like uh, uh, knowing if, if a census tract it has a higher percentage of owner occupied houses. So it's you know rental markets can be very different in their pricing dynamics. Uh, than places where people own. And that was easy to get from census, but hard to get from other data. So that would be a good census variable. And I I found information about uh, uh, mortgages and things like that, that we ended up using. Um, Some of the things that I thought would be really helpful just didn't turn out to be worth the extra effort. So we did have time limits on how long we could process. And that included the downloading and processing of the external data itself so i actually spent probably a week on pulling building permits open building permits from new york city um uh to to figure out like uh does this has this house been recently renovated if someone purchased it for let's say eight hundred thousand dollars and it's in brooklyn and then they put they pumped in four hundred thousand dollars for a building permit then i could assume that it's going to be the original price plus maybe twice what they uh what they put in in that building permit and that did improve my models for new york but it was so much data processing that overall it just wasn't worth it we didn't feel it would be um a big enough addition uh to to justify maybe not training our, our neural networks for as long
0: okay so so obviously you know you're on to win the prize i mean what was the how, how did how did that kind of pan out i mean was there was there a kind of a deadline and and there was a kind of race to the end i mean what was the kind of the what was the end of it like, or was it a bit of case if you handed it in and then you got the marks back later on? Was there any tension at the end?
1: Oh yeah, so so there was a the the deadline was I think July thirty first of twenty eighteen, and we had to make predictions for September and October home sales. So they essentially asked us for predictions for the actual future, not for some just held out set that maybe we could have that people could you know find out and and. Cheat or something? You actually had to predict the future, um, and uh, you know uh, the the race to the finish there was very difficult. I think the final month was was tough on us because we all wanted to continue to experiment, but we had to uh, really pull everything together and and uh, make sure test it from every possible angle to make sure we didn't make any mistakes. Um, even though we were still you know having ideas and and wanting to to kind of just right up to the last moment uh find some some breakthrough.
0: Okay. And so and so you you won the competition. How close were you to the to, to number two? I mean what was the what what do you put the difference down to really in terms of why you won?
1: Yeah. So the the closeness is always funny in, in Kaggle. It's very relative. So I mean on one hand we won by a third decimal place, which uh, you know, isn't a lot. However, I guess the distance between first and second was uh over fifty times the distance between second and third. So, you know that you know, it's a, it's a, it's all relative, I guess. Uh, you know, I think it was a, it was a convincing win from a Kaggle perspective. But I mean, try telling a client that you want to spend ten times as long building their model for a third decimal place improvement. Like, it's not, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate uh, to real world stuff.
0: Okay. Okay. So, and you won the prize. I mean, what? What? Tell us about the prize and and, and that. How did the? You, you know, how did that sort of? Uh, you you obviously kind of given that by 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 kind of Zillow, and did you go for a presentation and what, what happened there?
1: Sure. Yeah. So they did um, some some interviews with us where they they came to our houses and and just kind of did some like human interest interviews and uh, in, about um, uh, f- just a week or so before the actual announcement. Uh, they, they were doing a second round of interviews, which they told Nima and I, that was going to be about, uh, our team dynamic, that they wanted to just have us talk about our team. So they came in just like they had done before, set up cameras in our houses and stuff. Um, and then right as the, uh, just after the interview started, uh, there was a knock at my door and I figured a neighbor was trying to figure out why I had a camera crew in my house. Um, but uh, then Stan Humphreys uh, burst in with a million dollar check. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. And he's their chief analytics officer, who I, who I recognized, of course, because I've been following him on Twitter and stuff, hoping yeah. for clues about who won yeah. or something. Um, so, so that was the sort of announcement. And then we weren't allowed to tell anyone uh, between the time that they did that and then the... Uh, Actual full announcement, which was a, a tough few days because I was still going to work. Wow, talk, you know, <laughs> so trying to uh, talk to clients and stuff like right after the you know just staring at a mil- giant million dollar check, like <laughs> you know that was that was a, a fun time, I guess.
0: So you try and cash the check afterwards, then you get down to the bank with <laughs> this massive kind of ten foot check and or uh, what? <laughs> I,
1: I did think that'd be pretty funny, but I haven't done it yet, uh, so that it would be uh, would be fun though. Excellent. So, so, I mean, I guess what, what's
0: it, I mean, this is interesting exercise and it's, it's great that you won this. And uh, as I say, you know, you owe it all to me really for, for the inspiration that I gave you couple kind of years ago, but um, Fair enough. Wh- so how does this, how does this relate to what you do in a day job? I mean, maybe tell people what, what it is you do for, for a day job now. Um, and uh, what I'm interested in as well is, is elements of what you've been doing that would, you could apply to, to, you know, more day-to-day, you know, uh, industry type questions really.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, lately, uh, uh, actually just after submitting the Zillow prize, um, uh, submission that we did, um, about two weeks later, I started working at DataRobot, and it's a automated machine learning company. So, uh, I work there as a customer facing data scientist and, uh, Gartner called the role, uh, data science concierge, which I, I like a lot. I think that really kind of explains it well. Um, most of the time, because the product is an automated machine learning product, it, it builds those models for our customers. So, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I did in the Kaggle competition where I'm doing some, some feature engineering and trying to match that with the particular predictive model type and then hyperparameter tuning and all of that kind of stuff is all fully automated by the tool. So I, I, as a data scientist there, get to kind of step back and talk with our customers more about how should they structure their data? Uh, to, to make it work for a supervised learning problem like that? What is the right target that they should choose? Like what should they be trying to predict? And then how can they operationalize those results and, and turn it into either cost savings or profit?
0: Okay. Okay. And and how does, uh, even more mundane, really, how, how would somebody use the output of what you're doing in a kind of analytics tool, like say Looker, for example, I mean, to, 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 not not to be precise on that one, but how, how do these things then get productionized or, or pushed out as insights to people, you know, in a more kind of easy to understand way?
1: Sure. So, you know, some of our customers are banks. So pretty much time you swipe your credit card, uh, there's a predictive model behind the scenes checking, is, is this fraud or not? Um, you know, is this person both here and uh, halfway across the world trying to make a credit card uh, transaction? That's the kind of things that th- those would pick up on. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we we build models like that. So uh, that credit card machine would hit a data robot API, let's say, the API would say, this does not look like fraud. And so then the credit card goes through. That's a pretty simple example of the kinds of things that we do. Uh, I think, you know, it, with with the uh, looker, you might have, let's say, uh, like an insurance client might be examining um, a bunch of potential leads of who they want to um, bring on as as uh, um, a customer, like uh, who and how how expensive should they price the insurance for any particular customer? So they might have a predictive model behind the scenes that's telling them, you know, how likely is this person to file a claim? Maybe another one that's uh, how much would that claim cost? if they filed it um and then they would maybe look at looker and just do some uh visual analytics there and, and pick the customers who uh would support the appropriate price uh with the least amount of risk for them
0: okay okay and i understand um jen underwood who's also been on the show in the past um, has joined DataRobot recently what was she doing there and what's the kind of the the area that maybe she's going to try and build out and, and work with with you and other customers and so on
1: yeah, yeah, it's really exciting to work with her because uh, I think we have similar backgrounds and similar interests. So she's uh, she's um, leading the charge at DataRobot to um, help us build a, a, a like a community of capable and motivated business intelligence professionals. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a mouthful there, but um, you know, it's uh, essentially people who who are already uh, you know, 80% of the way to data science, right? Like if 80% of data science is cleaning data, all BI professionals are already there, right? So it's that final 20% that data robot automates. So we're looking to make it, um, you know, easy for for people to make that jump and start building predictive models right away using the skills they already have. So we're building integrations with things like Tableau and Click, Power BI, Alteryx, if you're on the data engineering side. Um, and she's she's uh very involved in that and and trying to make sure that we're uh you know addressing the the right problems and making it very easy for for people to make that transition.
0: Okay. Okay, just to wrap up then really. I mean, what what are you I mean, are there any other competitions going for? Are there any other things that you're playing around with or looking at in, in this area that that you know is uh that would be inter- interesting really.
1: Well, you know, you know, I started with DataRobot right after the the Zilla Prize, so I, yeah. I've only only recently felt like I've I've uh, had spare time. <laughs> um, so, you know, no no uh, no competitions yet. I was thinking I would retire from Kaggle when I found out we won. <laughs> I'm, I'm yes. certainly not. Yeah. I'm not going to top this. But uh, there is. I'm. Uh, you know, if I get two more gold medals, I, I will, I'll be a Kaggle Grandmaster, which is their top rank. Wow. Wow. Um, and so I'm thinking, you know, if I if I see a couple more that, that look interesting, I'll probably jump back in. I think, uh, but okay. right now, definitely mostly focused on uh, on just playing music and and uh, making mixed drinks again, that kind of thing.
0: Well, exactly. i was about to say. Hopefully, at some point, you'll resurrect your uh, your cocktail your cocktail maker from, uh, from from Christmas that year. Tell us, just tell tell people about what that was at the time.
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. So I uh, I made a, a bar optimizer that <laughs> you can you can tell at the uh, the bottles of liquor you have in your liquor cabinet, and it'll tell you what's the next one to get uh, to make the most new drinks. Um, mm. And yeah, I absolutely resurrected that recently and, uh, and <laughs> restocked my bar. Put put about seven new bottles in, and it's just like an endless uh, list of of cocktails that I'm I'm suffering my way through. It's terrible excellent
0: that's good well it's been jordan it's been great speaking to you and and congratulations for, for winning that prize i mean obviously i can't think of any more deserving really for getting that and uh, it's been great having you on to talk about you know how you won that and a bit of a kind of layman's intro really to to you know how you won it and an update on data robot you know so thank you very much for that it's been great to, to have you with us thanks great great to talk to you excellent. cheers